HTJ.tax, the international tax firm for six, seven, and eight-figure investors and entrepreneurs who are living that international life. Are you ready? So if someone is working remotely in Australia for a U.S. employer, they're still a full-time employee of this U.S. company, not an independent contractor in, in Australia. Do they pay U.S. social security charges on their salary or Australia? Mm-hmm. And they're tax resident in Australia. Yes. So there, there are factual variables here, but... Um, yeah. On a high level, if if I, for instance, uh, you know, I've been to the US on holidays, but I'm not a US citizen, don't have a green card, none of that. Um, I could work as a full-time employee for a US company um, and the US company, uh, so I'm taxed here in Australia, the source of my employment income is where I physically am, notwithstanding that I'm paid by a US company. And Mm -hmm. as an Australian resident individual working in Australia, they mm-hmm. are required to pay Australian superannuation. Now, mm-hmm. that's different if uh, I'm a secondee um, and there are there, there is an agreement, I should say, between Australia and the US as to um, coverage for those mm-hmm. types of payments. If I am a US citizen, I'm sent here um, for a period of time, uh, it might be more than a you know, three-month short-term secondment. Um, but as long as... In those circumstances, I'm continued. I continue to be paid in the US. Then the U- US company doesn't also have to pay um, a superannuation in relation to my my time here. But short of that, the, the starting point is Australian resident working in Australia for a mm-hmm. foreign company. It pays Australian um, superannuation. Okay, so that, that's pretty clear. And of course, there's a totalization agreement between the US and Australia, meaning that they're not going to pay social charges on both sides. So, and since they are based in Australia, there is a, a case leveraging that tax treaty for them not to pay the social security charges in the US. But as I reflect on that question, and this kind of connects to a point that you made when you when you gave your intro. So this person is not working for an Australian company. They're working for an American company. Is there a risk that their presence on Australia's soil can constitute a permanent establishment to that US company? Uh, yes. Um, and there is, and I'm not sure what the US um, uh, equivalent is we, we uh, that is the, the Australian uh, system, the Australian Taxation Office has both public public rulings saying this is our, our stated view. Yeah. Um, they have private rulings where someone says, look, these are my circumstances. This is what, how I think I'll be taxed. What do you think? Yeah, yes or no. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but they also have these products, well, they call them products, um, called ATO interpretive decisions. And they uh, are not quite as as formal, <coughs> excuse me, as a as a public ruling, but it must have come about in someone's um, someone's life. Um, they've approached the the tax office and they've said, "Oh, there's there's a bit of uh, an issue here. Uh, we're going to provide some public guidance as to how we would interpret this this issue." Now, mm. uh, you would expect you know, most governments around the world they'd be pretty pro revenue. Any any kind of grey area in the legislation or, or the, the case law they'll kind of apply to to benefit them and look t- to be fair taxpayers do the the reverse um but uh, there is a, an ato in interpretive decision an atoid 
uh, albeit it relates to um, someone who was um, working in Australia, working from home actually um, mm -hmm. for a, uh, a New Zealand company. And the outcome of, of that was that that person working in their home study was taken to be a, a permanent establishment of the New Zealand company. But there are, there are two critical things. One, in that instance, that individual was reimbursed for all of their expenses. So the, that allowed the ATO to, to take the view that, well, that, that study, that home study is really available to the Kiwi company because they're footing the bill effectively. So mm -hmm. short of that, if they weren't doing that, I'd say that that's a critical distinction mm -hmm. um, and therefore you're kind of differentiating the circumstances to, to that situation. But even if it is taken to be a, a PE, the next question is, well, what, what profit is attributable to that PE? So if that mm -hmm. person, and in, in this instance it was someone who um, uh, handled the the phones so if i'm not sure it was completely administrative but in the grand scheme of things it, it wasn't um you know high value add services that we hear so if that were the case the, the, the threshold question is there a pe they get yes or no uh, hopefully no if yes well what are they actually doing um how much value is being created um here and you know what if anything can be transferred priced back to the mothership um, to legitimately reduce the, uh, the the profit that is attributable to uh, to Australian tax. Gotcha. That 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 that's really helpful to know. Now, given that we live in unprecedented times, right? There's there's a health situation. We can't mention the name because it gets censored, right? But there's, right, there's, yeah. a, there's a health crisis, right? So for some people, I don't know whether it's this person's situation, right? But suppose that they were in Australia, Australia, not by choice, but they were unable to return, in this case, to the U.S. Would there be any sort of concession offered by the ATO? Um, anecdotally, um, there has been. Um, and okay. in, in, in any of it, if you fall within our, um, any of our residence tests, Technically, you're you're in. the mm -hmm. the next um, the the next step is to look at a double tax agreement and mm -hmm. the, the residency tiebreaker rules in terms of that agreement. And uh, if you've got uh, the the first tiebreaker rule is usually do you have a, a permanent home wherever you have a permanent home. Some people are you know, wealthy enough to have uh, a permanent home in both places, and then you go down to mm -hmm. the next. Um, the next one, ultimately, it, it gets down to wherever your personal and economic relations are closer. Um, so looking at most people's circumstances, if they're, they're stuck in Australia, their, their family or the majority of their family, the majority of their, their assets are overseas, mm -hmm. then even if um, the ATO didn't make any kind of administrative concession in a, uh, that condition context, then uh, you would still say in the DTA, well, looking at the tiebreaker rules, I fall within the domestic Australian rules as a, a US citizen or a, you know, a continuing resident based on domicile or whatever it is in my home country. I'm a domestic resident under their system. The tiebreaker, this particular tiebreaker applies, and on that basis, um, I'm, I'm actually resident over there.
Okay. All right. That, that, that's super helpful to know. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.